Good morning, CCs. Today I'm reading in true language, first in Urdu and then other in English. Luka ki anjil, uska char baap, pehli se teran ayit. Phir Yassurul Kudas se bhara hua yardan se lota, aur 40 din tak ruh ki hadayat se biyaban mein phirta raha, aur ablis usse azmata raha. उन दिनों में उसने कुछ ना खाया और जब वो दिन पूरे हो गए तो उसे भूख लगी और अबलीस ने उससे कहा अगर तू खुदा का बेटा है तो इस पत्थर से क्या कि रोटी बन जाए यसु ने उसको जवाब दिया लिखा है कि आदमी सिर्फ रोटी ही से जीता ना रहेगा और फिर अबलीस उसे ऊंचे पल ले जाकर दुनिया के सब संतरतें पल भर में दिखाई और उससे कहा यह सारा इख्तियार उन उनकी शान शौकत में तुझे दे दूँगा क्योंकि ये मेरे स्पुर्द है और जिसको चाहता हूँ देता हूँ बस अगर तू मेरे आगे सजदा करे तो ये सब तेरा होगा यसु ने जो हमें उससे कहा लिखा है कि तू खुदाद अपने खुदा को सजदा कर और सिर्फ उसी की इबादत कर और वो उसे यरूशलेम में ले गया और हैकल के कुंगरे पर खड़ा करके उससे कहा अगर तू खुदा का बेटा तो अपने तई यहाँ से निश गिरा दे क्योंकि लिखा है कि वो तेरी बाबत अपने फरिश्तों को हुक्म देगा कि तेरी हिफाजत करे और ये भी कि वो तुझे हाथों पर उठा लेंगे मुबादा तेरे पाँव को पत्थर थे पत्थर से ठेस लगे यसु ने जवाब में उससे कहा फरमाया गया है कि तू अपने खुदा खुदा की आजमाइश ना कर जब अबलीस तमाम आजमाइशें कर चुका तो कुछ अरसे के लिए उससे जुदा हुआ आमीन Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verse 1 to 13. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became hungry, very hungry. Then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, Tell this stone to become a loaf of a bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scripture says, People do not live by, the, by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdom of the world in a moment of a time. I will give you the glory of this kingdom and the authority over them. The devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it to all to you if you will worship me. Jesus replied, Scriptures say, you must worship the Lord you, uh, your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him uh, to Jerusalem, to the highest mountain of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angel to protect and guard you. And they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also says you must not test the Lord your God. When the devil, uh, devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until that Next opportunity came. Amen.
Good morning. Happy Chinese New Year. Xin Yui, Kung Wei Fa Choi, and uh, welcome to everybody who's here. As you can see, we're a diverse a group of people, and for all the Chinese-speaking people, uh, please forgive my Chinese. We, we really want to welcome all the new people who are here. I see several new families. I met several new families, and we want to welcome you. It's such a privilege for every one of us who stand up here before you each week and uh, to share the Word of God. CCC is a Christ-centered church, passionate about making disciples. And we pray as we share the message today that it would be allow you to understand more and more what it means to be Christ-centered, allow you to understand more and more what it means to be a passionate disciple of Jesus Christ. As you see up here, we're talking about temptation redeemed. That's a strange title. How could temptation, which confronts us almost every day, be redeemed? Well, we want to share the Word of God with you today on how that happens. The occasion for uh, Jesus' temptation was that God had unfinished work to do. In Genesis, God had made a world that was good, a man and a woman made in his image, dwelling in a garden with everything that they needed. By Genesis chapter 3, the enemy of God had appeared to Adam and Eve in the persona of a serpent and offered a temptation to be like God, ignoring, not believing God's word the couple succumbed to the temptation leading to sin and a broken relationship with their creator. The Lord of lies had accomplished his plans. Adam and Eve sinned and were separated from their relationship with God. The authority given to them to exercise dominion over creation and even over the devil was transferred to Satan when they disobeyed. Sin entered the world, and Satan's dominion was established. In Genesis 15 to 18, like we have studied in the past, God seeks to reestablish his relationship with his creation and humankind with the one God, the one true God, through a attitude, a response of faith. By and through faith, God wanted us to be in relationship with him. This covenant included forming a people, a nation to live out the covenant and to proclaim his name to the nations. They would become the Jewish nation and they would dwell in a homeland called Israel according to God's word and God's promises. The Jewish people, God's chosen people under the leadership of Moses after 400 years in Egypt were brought out by the mighty hand of God and by the word of God to enter into a land that God had promised them and to be God's covenant people in the land of Israel. Again tempted, this time not directly by Satan, but by their own willful hard hearts, they surrendered again and again to temptation. A whole generation died in the wilderness, in the Judean wilderness. Eventually, the people of Israel did enter the promised land, but continued yielding to temptations, the temptations of foreign gods the temptations of disobedience, and a false religion. If God wanted to bring about his purposes and plans in Jesus, 
he would need to redeem them and all of humanity from their great enemy, the enemy of both God and man, temptation, and the constant surrendering to its allures and enticements. What does it mean to be redeemed? To be redeemed means to be brought out from the power, from under the power or rule of authority of another mean, of another person or thing. We are redeemed through a payment, an act of force, or an exchange. An example of people who are redeemed would be a prisoner, a slave, a hostage. I have some slides to show you that will allow us to kind of see the context a little bit more about what we're talking about today. This is a Jordan River in Israel. <clears throat> I can guarantee you at the time of Jesus, there were no picnic tables in the Jordan River. This is the same river where uh, Jesus was baptized by John. Please notice how lush and beautiful it was. Jesus traveled from the north of Israel down along to the Jordan Valley in this beautiful lush area uh, to a place where he came to uh, the location where John was baptizing and he was baptized. This is a picture <clears throat> from the location where Jesus was uh, tempted. If you see in this area, this is what the New Jericho area. Hey, Jericho. If you look way beyond here and go down further south, this is the area that the children of Israel spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. This is a gondola. We came from down here in Jericho up to the place where Jesus was tempted, riding on a gondola, but Jesus would have had to walk along that trail. You see this white house right here? The ruins behind it is the old city of Jericho that collapsed uh, during the time of Joshua. This pilgrim is my wife. This church, this is the church called the Church of the Temptation, where Jesus came and was tempted and stayed for 40 days and 40 nights. This is the grotto where Jesus stayed for 40 days and 40 nights. Unbelievable. I thought Jesus was out in a tent, out in the wilderness, but he was in a grotto. A grotto is a natural-made cave-like structure um, built, in, uh, built in the mountain. This is the room where Jesus was uh, tempted and lived for 40 days and 40 nights. And you say, how do you know this? Because there, at the end of, uh, in AD 70, at the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple, there was an emperor named Hadrian. And Hadrian, thinking that he could demolish and put away Christianity, closed up all the holy sites and built a Roman temple uh, on top of each of the sites. Guess what? By doing that, he marked all of the significant holy sites of the Christian era. So when the archaeologists came in and the Christians returned to the Holy Land, all they did was look for a Roman uh, temple on top of a site, and they knew this is a place where Jesus had lived or had done miracles or had done something very special. Thank you, Lord. 
for redeeming that. We have been studying the life for the last few weeks, the life of Jesus, before and during his birth. We have seen him at 12 years old in the temple with the scriptures in his heart and in his mouth, speaking with the religious rulers. But now in his temptation, we see him at the age of 30, obedient in baptism and filled with the Holy Spirit. Now led by the Holy Spirit, Jesus travels from the Jordan Valley down to the River Jordan and is baptized in, uh, by John the Baptist. From there, he is led by the Spirit to the dry and barren wilderness of Judea. Luke and Matthew do not tell us why the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. It was at this time that Jesus also began to fast. When we combine being led by the Spirit and fasting, we understand very clearly that God had very important purposes and plans to accomplish in the ministry of Jesus the Messiah. But how do we see temptation? Is temptation like a bad habit or behavior? Is temptation a pressure to give in to an extra scoop of ice cream on our cake? Or maybe to sleep in and miss a day of exercise? Is temptation the overarching word for the seven deadly sins? The sins of lust and greed, gluttony, sloth, wrath, envy, and pride? In the Bible, the word temptation is very clearly explained. To be tempted means it is a trial, it is a testing by which we have a free choice of being faithful or unfaithful to God. Let me say that again. In Scripture, to be tempted or to be tested is a very clear trial or testing for the purpose of giving us a free choice to be faithful or unfaithful to God. Jesus went into the wilderness to be with God, to hear God's voice, to be in relationship with his heavenly Father. In doing this, Satan came to him to tempt, to test, to defeat once again the plans and the purposes of God for the human race. But please note, this is very, very important. Not here, not anywhere, does God tempt or test his people. Let me say that again. So we're totally clear about this. Not in this passage in Luke chapter 4. Not anywhere in the scriptures does God tempt or test his people. James, the brother of Jesus, said it this way. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. The opportunity for Satan to come and to test or to tempt Jesus was Jesus was in a place of obedience and seeking God. But Jesus was also very vulnerable. He was hungry due to the 40 days of fasting. And the purpose of the temptation was to bring Jesus over to Satan's side. Again, in Genesis chapter 3, we have Adam and Eve creating the image of God, being tempted by the devil. For what purpose? So that their relationship with God would be broken. They gave into the temptation, and their relationship with God was broken. If you remember, God came into the garden and said, Adam, where were you 
Where are you? And what did Adam say? I was afraid. Before, no fear of God. After sinning, fear of God. And then Satan took the dominion that had been given to Adam and Eve, took it from them, and began to be the ruler of the world. If Jesus succumbed to this temptation, all mankind would remain under sin and Satan would keep his dominion over the world. Jesus, if unable to resist the temptation, would have continued Israel's disobedience. Remember, Israel was purposed by God to be his uh, missionary people to the world. Jesus um, would not have become the savior of the world. God's plan would have made null and void. But to save the world, we're going to be talking about referring back to the Lord's Prayer. To save the world, God would have to deliver, would have to redeem his people from temptation and to deliver them from evil, from the evil one, according to Matthew 6, 13. Jesus was well prepared to uh, confront temptation. Jesus was obedience-focused. Jesus was obedience-focused. In Luke chapter 3, Jesus was baptized by John. Matthew chapter 4 says the reason he was baptized by John uh, was to fulfill all righteousness. The Message Bible says it like this, God's work putting all things right. All these centuries is coming together right now in the baptism of Jesus. Jesus is spirit-filled and filled with God's love. Upon Jesus being baptized, and while he was praying, the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. In the same spirit, it's the same spirit who led Jesus into the wilderness. After the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus, there came a voice from heaven saying, You are my son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Jesus believed God's words and promises. In the midst of Satan's temptations and testing, the first to turn a stone into bread, the second to worship and serve Satan in exchange for ruling the world, and third to jump from a high place to test or to tempt God to act upon his word by sending his angels to capture him. Jesus speaks God's word, believes God's word, uses the power of the word and the spirit, not only to resist temptation, but to confront the lies represented by the three temptations. Please remember this. Jesus believed even when profoundly hungry and greatly tested. Jesus believed God even when profoundly tempted and profoundly hungry. Jesus was skilled in resisting temptation. The skill of Jesus had in resisting temptation was knowing who God's word said he was, knowing what God had given to him, and knowing what he could do together with God, the spirit, and the word. Next week, you will hear how after the temptation, Jesus returns to Nazareth. And what does he do? He goes to the synagogue. He opens again the word of God to the prophet Isaiah and explains to the people who are listening all of who he is, his person, what he is here for, his purpose, and what he is going to do, his plans. Where Adam and Eve failed, believing the lies of the serpent, 
Jesus succeeded in using, believing, and obeying God's word. The children of Israel led out of Egypt, given the commandments of God to be his people, and led day and night by the presence of the Lord, were unfaithful. Tempted to worship other gods, they too easily succumbed to doing just that. When we come to the temptation of Jesus, we see Satan unrestrained in his ability to tempt humankind. We see humankind seemingly unable to do anything other than to collapse under the weight of sin and temptation. Kind of a depressing story, don't you think? But there's good news. And the good news is that temptation has been redeemed. Temptation has been redeemed. We who are as children have been brought out from under the power of temptation to be able to live a victorious life. Jesus redeemed the temptation of Adam and Eve by confronting the deception of Satan and believing God's word. Maybe you've heard that some people think to fight the devil, you have to put on an army suit and take your Bible and shake it at the devil. No, not necessary. Believe God's word, obey God's word. Jesus was steadfast and faithful. Satan's appearance only symbolized as a serpent in Genesis is made apparent in Luke chapter 4 as Satan himself. I cannot recall any place in the Bible except in these two instances where Satan appeared either as a serpent or as Satan himself. But before the Son of Man, the obedient Son of Man, the father of lies came to try and trick him, to tempt him, to test him, but Jesus remained obedient. Jesus redeemed the temptation of the children of Israel in the desert. Like Israel crossing the Red Sea, Jesus had come through the water of John's baptism. The 40 days and 40 nights that Jesus spent in the wilderness represent the 40 years that the children of Israel spent in the wilderness wandering around. The same wilderness where Jesus went to and was tempted. The three passages from Deuteronomy that Jesus uses to confront the lies of the devil were the same passages that appeared in Deuteronomy talking about the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness. Jesus believed God's word where the Israelites doubted. Jesus believed that God would provide where they only complained. Where the disobedience of God's people resulted in their death, Jesus' victory over temptation gives life. Jesus is the true, the faithful, the obedient Israelite, doing what God always wanted Israel to do. The beginning of the public ministry of Jesus means the end, the beginning of the end of Satan's rule as the Lord of this earth. God's creation is coming, his rule over, his cre over this creation is coming to an end. The devil's uh, rule is broken and his lies unmasked. His purposes are being brought to nothing. Where in the Garden of Eden he succeeded, on the Mount of Temptation, he failed. Verse 13 says that after the temptations were completed, the devil retreated from Jesus, waiting for another opportunity. Jesus won the battle over temptation, foretelling of the greater victory that would come on the cross, the grave and the resurrection. Hebrews uh, chapter 4 says it like this. 
The high priest of ours, Jesus, understands our weaknesses. He faced the same testings and temptations as we do, and yet he did not sin. Jesus' victory is our victory. Let me say that again. The victory on the Mount of Temptation more than 2,000 years ago is our victory. Temptation has not ended. I think we could all agree from that. We're con constantly confronted by temptation. But we are simply ca um, called, we are simply called to focus our energies on being steadfast. Steadfast in the Word of God. Steadfast in believing God. Steadfast in using the power of the Holy Spirit. Regardless of any circumstances, there might be many, many reasons why we feel that we need to give in to temptations. But remember Jesus, even though profoundly hungry, even though profoundly tempted and tested, he believed God, he was steadfast. We are equipped to do this with the same Holy Spirit, the same Word of God, and the same faith as Jesus. And we believe that Jesus' victory over temptation and testing is our victory as well. It didn't happen 2,000 years ago and ended. It's the same victory that we share in today as his children. In overcoming temptation, uh, we meet the victory of God, the strength of God, his will, his purposes, and his goodness. True freedom is not giving in to temptation. True freedom is not doing whatever we feel. True freedom is hearing and believing and obeying God and his word. From this position we face, from our position in Christ, we face life's temptations and testing, and we too are victorious. To pray, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil or from the evil one is to inhale the victory of the cross and thereby to hold the line, hold the line of faith, hold the line of being Christ-centered, hold the line of being disciple of Christ for another moment, for another hour, and another day against the forces of destruction within ourselves and also within this world. Bishop N.T. Wright. So we want to take a moment to pray the Lord's Prayer together. Would you stand with me? And let's pray this together. Prayer uh, from our hearts, prayer in obedience to the Word of God, prayer believing what the Word of God says. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You may be seated. I was wondering what would be the best way to talk about temptation, to give you lots of advice on how to overcome temptation. But to overcome temptation really begins with this simple truth. Jesus did it. Jesus lives inside of us. The greater one lives inside of us. Therefore, we can also have that same victory. 
we are greater than Jesus at this moment. You know why? Because when Jesus was tempted by the devil, he had not yet died on the cross. He had not yet been buried. He had not yet risen from the dead. We who live after, in light of, with the benefit of his death, burial, and resurrection, have a greater power through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the completed work of Jesus because Satan has been defeated. Satan does not need to come to us because he is now under our feet. His dominion, which existed at the time of Jesus, that Jesus was in the process of coming, bringing to an end, has now been completed. Satan has no power over us. And as a result, temptation has no power over us as well. We have the same spirit of God, the same word of God, the same power, and we live now in light of the victory of Jesus, who's seated now at the right hand of the Father, and we are seated together with him. There may be some of you here who have been beaten up by just the force of temptation. They could be from the outside. It could be from the inside. It could be that you've collapsed under it. But today we want to offer you a new start. It doesn't need to be a big moment where uh, bolts of thunder need to come down, where uh, there needs to be people falling on the ground. No, it begins with this, this one thing. Lord, I am wrong. Lord, you are right. Lord, who I am in you, what I have in you, what I can do with you, your word and your spirit is all I need to get started. First John says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To cave into temptation is what the Bible calls sin. The gospel, I mean, the first John says, if we say we have no sin, we have lied. And his truth is not in us. So we're not here in any spirit of condemnation. I am not here saying that I am better than anybody else. But like myself, I invite all of us to come back. If you've been beaten up, if you've succumbed, if you've been broken down by the power of temptation in your life, whether it be one of the seven deadly sins or maybe it's just the temptation not to love, not to forgive, not to uh, reestablish relationship with people. Can we just take a moment and, and bow our heads? Can we take a moment and humble our hearts before the Lord and just say, Lord, I'm wrong. I'm wrong and I know that there's a way out. And that way out is through your word, through what it says about forgiveness, but also it says about who I am in you. So let's take a moment and just pray. And then I'll close this in a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, that we're in your presence. Thank you, Lord, for your offering of forgiveness. Thank you for the victory you've given us. Thank you, Lord, for the work of your spirit in this place.
Loving God, we thank you that we as your people, as your church, want to be Christ-centered. We want to be disciples of you. And we thank you that the great enemy of our souls, of your plans and purposes for our life, can be summarized in a single word, temptation. It is what caused Adam and Eve and their relationship with you to be broken. But in Jesus Christ and through his confrontation with Satan, using the word of God, using the spirit, and using the power he had, even in the midst of great hunger and great weariness, he did not sin. He has been tempted like every way, in every way like we have been, and yet he did not sin. So we come before you, Lord. We say that we are wrong and you 